Linda Pearl, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Martha Bolton in our second hour. Martha Bolton, comedy writer for Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller, and the first full-time female staff writer hired by Bob Hope. Martha Bolton is also the co-author, along with Bob Hope's daughter, Linda Hope of Dear Bob. Dear Bob, a collection of some of the many letters that Bob Hope received from our soldiers during World War II that is as close to obtaining a replica of one of Bob Hope's personal scrapbooks as you can possibly get. Martha Bolton will join us in our second hour. Please stay tuned for that. Our second hour will also include a tribute to Billy Hayes. Billy Hayes, the actress known around the world as Witchy Poop, in both the H.R. Puff and Stuff TV series and the 1969 feature motion picture Puff and Stuff, as well as Weenie the Genie on Lidsville. Billy Hayes passed away earlier this month at the age of 96. Marty Croft of Sin Marty Croft Productions will join us in our second hour as we pay tribute to Billy Hayes. We hope you stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us for this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. Videos of new editions of Story Salon are available around the last Wednesday of every month on the Story Salon YouTube channel. This particular edition, with Tony and Donna, originally aired in May 2014. I have um, two dates, and uh, and they're kind of uh, almost the same week. They're like bookends. They're like bookends, so I'm going to have a couple of things in the middle here, but these two things kind Chicago. of... Uh, m- yes, yeah, Chicago style. <laughs> We're just going to pile it on. April 18th, 1929, and April 29th, 1944. Okay, they both involve our gang, a.k.a. Little Rascals. So April 18th, 1929 was the first our gang film with sound that debuted. It was called Small Talk. And it was, like I said, the first RK, uh, the our gang picture with sound produced by Hal Roach. You know, later on, we would know him later as the Little Rascals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so this is pre-Spanky Alfalfa. It is available on YouTube. I do have it on the blog. Some of the characters I recognize, like Joe and uh, who was, you know... The fat kid du jour, let's call him that. This uh, some of them, been, this yeah. Would, this would have been before Alfalfa. This would have been way before, before Alfalfa. Before Darla. Before yeah. Darla, and I and and none of these actually. Not, I don't think these guys were born yet necessarily. You know, the first time we saw Spanky, he is basically a toddler. I remember when I watched the Little Rascals, which is how they were syndicated right. under yeah in the nineteen seventies. They would sometimes they would show the ones from like the twenties. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking this is more Farina's okay. administration, if we could call them that. And just, if I can say, I didn't know until this moment that there were Argan comedies that were silent. I just I assumed didn't know they either. always had silent. Yeah, there were there were there was a period where they were silent. For Farina did well, you know a few. What say, children should be seen and not heard. heard. Yes, yeah. uh, and Farina I think was one of the crossover actors. That went from the sign because he started. You, you, we always see Farina more as one of the more mature, uh, mm-hmm. older kids, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was much smaller when he started. And uh, yeah, so he he was uh, one of the silent film stars that that made the crossover. There are a few others that actually became you know more uh, name recognized from their time. So we're thinking pre Jackie Cooper. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Jackie Cooper started uh, with you know with those talkies. So, uh, but I think yeah, 
he he was around the same age as yeah. as Farina, but Farina I think was one of the, actually one of the few that actually made the jump over. And then I can't recall all the names, but some of the early kids from the silent ones would become adults by the time the series ran through. Uh, there was one, and the names escape me right now. Uh, when one of the later teams came in, one one of the girls actually became their teacher, and one of the boys became their truant officer. Now, from our perspective, when we were watching it, we had no knowledge that right. these guys yeah. were already established. If we grew up with the silent ones, and right. you know, at the matinee, we probably would have really enjoyed that. And there were some some of the characters that you know started off as kids, and then they would you would later see them as adults. Mm-hmm. Joe, and I can't remember his last name right now was like i said he was he was chubby before he was chubby right. he was spanky before he was he was the fat kid but also kind of a, a leader he, and uh, he was actually i believe from the silent era but then he would be a grown-up by the time the last ones would come through and have cameos and and various appearances was pd part of the pd was in the silence but uh it was a different dog and the and i rem- i just remember this from a local tv show jackie lynn taylor who was one of the uh, girls, and she was only in like nine because she hit a growth spurt. And she was a, you know, for a girl, she was a gorgeous blonde, perfect of that time. So she was before Darla, and I think after Mary. And she Mary was, was the one with the bangs. Mary was the one with the bangs, kind of had a Claire Bow thing, and yeah. al- always Weezer's older sister. Yes. So Weezer, I think, uh, was not around for the silent ones either. But uh, uh, Jackie Lynn. Taylor was around like post Mary, but she hit this, like I said, growth spurt. So she did not last very long because she got too tall, too fast. She was the one who was usually in the magazine ads promoting whatever toys that they would have. There's like a, an R gang paint set. So you would always see her. Yeah. She was, you know, obviously you could tell, Oh, they, they kind of saw her as the glamor girl. And she hosted a show uh, on Channel 52, which is now the, you know, Me TV. Yeah. yeah. And she used to host the show in the 70s after they would do like an hour of Little Rascals. She hosted a show called Little Rascals Theater. And it was basically, you know, the opening and closing were, you know, just cut up pieces, you know, from various, uh, our gang segments. And she would, uh, basically bring on various, uh, actors who, who were part of our gang. Uh, Stymie was a regular guest. In the studio? In the studio. Stymie was a regular guest because she was kind of of that era. And they would just talk a lot about... Stymie used to do the Mike Douglas show all the time. Stymie, yeah. Stymie also was a musician. Stymie and and Spanky. Spanky, yeah. Spanky, you know, went and worked in the private sector for a long time. But I think he was was one of those that basically was in the Spanky business. And uh, so Spanky was on, Stymie was on. A lot of them that, you know, later would, you know, never have any connection to the industry as an adult. Uh, and he would have them on and, you know, do whatever interviews. Uh, a couple of, William, you know, it's one of the bullies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, those guys uh, bring him on and kind of show everyone, you know, he's really a nice guy now. He's a businessman. And uh, she did uh, a segment once where they said we found this footage and it is actually of the little rascals in the silent era so it's a silent movie so they're not talking and it's farina and pete uh riding the rails you know how uh you would see them riding underneath the cars Mm -hmm. and uh the whole bit was them 
under the uh, food car, and he had a hand drill that you would rotate, and he could drill underneath the floorboards into uh, different candy barrels. So he would drill into a barrel of jelly beans, and then all these jelly beans would would fall out. He would grab them, eat them, and then he had a cork in his pocket, and he would plug the hole that he just ripped. <laughs> and then he would talk to Pete and said, so what do you want to eat now? And he said, yeah, licorice is good, and they would just <laughs> drill. And and all. And it wasn't much of it, but it was just, you know, as a kid, you're watching, this is kind of cool. Yeah. But Pete uh, was a different dog, and the circle was around the other eye. And so it was early Pete, and, uh, yeah, it was... You know, I I don't have like my whole encyclopedia of Little Rascals, our gang, and such, but yeah, there was a whole. May you two pretty yeah, well. Yeah, really. <laughs> this is this is all off of memory because even the papers I have in front of me is pretty vague. Yeah. But okay, yeah. and this is what I'm thinking. There are a lot of names that I am not familiar with because I guess Tommy Bond is a name. Yeah. Okay, depending on where you were, what part of the country, and what syndication package you had, those were the Little Rascals you knew, and I knew. Darla mm-hmm. and Alfalfa and Spanky, where he was a big kid. Yes. Yes. And it was only yes. after I became an adult that I became aware that you know, Spanky was a baby at one point, mm-hmm. and there were all these kids that I didn't know. Well, I, re- I remember because uh, around 74, 75, which is good. Now, the, the Little Rascals was on a UHF station yeah, up same in here. San Francisco. And you had to get... Now... Some of our listeners will remember was will know what a UHF is, but you yeah. know, in the days before cable or cable ready households, I mean, you had you know, some some stations were on the were on the UHF feed or what or band. frequency band, band, yeah, band. Thank you, and everything from like fourteen to fifty four would be on the UHF frequency for which you needed a separate antenna, you know, uh, which you'd have to get at Radio Shack or whatever. Or it was the little round one. A little ra- the little round one, right. And uh, and sometimes uh, newer sets, you know, you know, from the mid-70s on would come with a, but for some of the older sets you had to, you, you had to get a special one or if you were really creative, you would try to trick it up with uh-huh. Yeah, because you you could have the rabbit ears, and then the UHF sometimes looks like a bow tie yeah. that you can clamp onto the rabbit ears, or you'd have to get like a splitter from Radio Shack if you had like an outside antenna and the the coax is coming in. But in our house, we didn't have a set with a UHF with a built-in UHF antenna until my dad bought our first color set in '74. So they for, so, for so the you older discovered ones, yeah. Yeah, so that's when we discovered this whole it's, you know, this this whole, this whole spectrum, yeah, motherload of other channels, and, yeah. and that's how I discovered the little rascal. But you were in San Francisco for me in the Midwest in Cincinnati. I remember we did have a TV that came equipped with it. The only station we had above thirteen, which in Cincinnati went twelve, yeah. uh, was Channel Forty Eight, which was the PBS yeah. uh, station that broadcast for a couple of hours a day. And I remember my best friend calling me when I was about eight or nine. There's a new station. They start at three o'clock in their cartoons. And that was our second station a couple of years later. But I mean, I'm sure some of the listeners will remember that television stations, they went from two to 13. That's right. That was it. That was it. Well, you had two to 13, and then there was either the letter U or UF, or sometimes it would say UHF. So you had to turn to that one, and, that's who and then you would then you chance. would turn the other, you know, there would be a second dial. Yeah. But I'm saying some of the listeners remember when there was no such thing. Yeah. 
as anything above 13. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was later. Even if it's just 2 to 13, you didn't, depending on where you lived and what part of the city or, mm-hmm. you know, a suburb you, you live, you, you may have gotten 2 through 7 but not 8 through 13, or you may have gotten 8 through 13, but not 2 through 7. So yeah, or you had every other one. Yeah. Or if you remember, you know, depending on where you were in the country, you might be lucky enough to have all three of the major networks because that's all there was. That's right. I remember going to my grandmother's house in South Carolina, and I hated it because they only got two of the networks. Yeah. They, I've, I mean, I'm forgetting which one. I, I Actually, I, I don't think there was such a thing as ABC. Well, there may have been such a thing as ABC, but they wouldn't but, have access but to But not in that part of the country. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in L.A., I mean, we had so much. I mean, we had two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and 13. Right. And, I mean, that's a lot in comparison. And then we had all these UHF channels as well. But I remember in Defiance, Ohio, I don't think we had anything until uh, 9. So you had 9, 11, 13, and then everything else was UHF. We are looking back at the first Art Gang comedy film with sound and the very last Art Gang comedy ever filmed at all, both of which happened to occur as part of this week in TV history. This particular segment with Tony and Donna originally aired in May 2014. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. 1974, which is when we first, at least my household, first discovered UHF channels, which is, and KBHK, which was Channel 44 in San Francisco, carried the Little Rascals. Well, they showed the ones with, they showed the old, they showed the ones with the baby Spanky, with the, mm-hmm. with the hammer and, you know. Killing uh, the bugs, killing yeah. Killing the bugs. That know, one was called Spanky. The very first Spanky. Mm-hmm. They showed the older one, the, the end of the cycle. But they also showed the ones with Mickey, also known as uh, uh, Robert, Robert Blake. Blake. Yeah, uh, whose real name is uh, Michael Gubatosi. Gubatosi, right? Yeah. So, so uh, and, and and that was a big deal because he was starring in Beretta at the time, and so mm-hmm. they, they, you would get a lot of play when they hear he would do media. They, he would they, almost everyone would mention that the little rascals are in syndication. So, but you would also the the ones with Stymie, the mm-hmm. ones with. Um, Darla and the other pretty girl who you mentioned. The, well, the there's one, the one Jackie the, Lynn Jackie, and Darla and Mary. Mary. Yeah, they're. Uh, the one, Mary was the one with the bangs, right? Mary was the one with the bangs, and I'm sure. And there had to be uh, one from at least a couple more before that. Like this is from the silent era. So we, we must have gotten the we must have gotten the good package. Yeah, we had we had well, the whole, you know the whole, King Brothers, who is probably better known for you know bringing Oprah to the world. Yeah. But the King brothers were they started as in King World. As in King World, you know they got the you know they bought all the uh, little rascals and had them in their garage, and that's what was syndicated. But there were, uh, I guess, the earlier ones were not part of that package. Uh, Tommy Bond was actually Butch, but there were a couple other. He had cur- he had curly blonde hair. Yeah, yeah and 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 he at first, had a scowl on his face. Tommy was originally as Tommy. He was one of the gang. as one yeah. of the little kids. And uh, so he was a little older than Spanky, but much younger than Farina. And then later on, he came back, you know, f- much bigger as Butch. All right. I so Tommy that. Bond, you would see him uh, in, in earlier ones. And, you know, usually he was like the smart Alec kid. He was kind of probably the Danny Bonaduce of his era. But then when he, 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 he left and he came back and he was taller than everybody else, they made him Butch as the bully. 
the things that pop into my head, I'm thinking of the one... I've, everyone is eating... I think they're at a boarding school. And yeah, don't drink wine. the milk. Why? It's spoiled. That's right. Yeah, that's one where was, uh, they made... They, they spilt the, the milk that they just milked from the cow, and they wanted to make milk, so they mixed plaster of Paris with water because it looked like that's, milk. That's right. Oh. And, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's right. The, the, one of the gags is they, they, they stick the spoon in it, yeah. and you this whole solid thing of mush. Yeah. Cake it, mush. That's what they created, yeah. So Tommy was one of the kids and, and the, in that. The, the guy who was the schoolmaster had this one of this – he was this he, – he was like – Charles Lane before Charles Lane. Yes. He had this pruned face on. And he played the bad guy nonstop yeah. throughout the entire run, up until the very end. Yeah, if, if there were a central casting for crabby old Ben, you know, I mean, that, that, that was the guy they would always call. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, he always, you know, his name would always be Crab or Crutch or yeah. Crouch. It was <laughs> always, he, they would always have those names. I think, uh, the one where he was in charge of an orphanage and all the kids were orphans and it had a genie, uh, uh, you know, he w- he was in that one. And then uh, I think the last time uh, he was like the uh, superintendent of schools or the, the head of the school and the teacher uh, got in serious trouble because they stopped class so they could celebrate one of the kids' birthdays and he got her fired. And then uh, the kids rallied together, got the parents together, the PTA Got, you know the parents and basically at the end he winds up being the janitor and the janitor is now the head of the school and uh and so yeah he always played the same yeah. crotchety guy but great role i don't know if you're going to mention the movie that they the, I, I think it was i and there's another one i i remember it was being shot i don't know how far it is in development well this is about the one this is the one they made one around 89 or 90 yeah, that uh, Mel Brooks was in, and uh, I believe it was modern day, but the kids all looked like... It was modern day, but yeah. they made them up like the ones, the, the, yeah. like the classic ones from the 30s. And they but tried- wasn't it set against the backdrop of modern day? You it had was. the yeah. kids from the the vintage kids yes. set in modern times? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of those things that maybe it worked on paper, but when they, but the, when they made the movie, it just didn't work. And I remember seeing it. At a doctor's appointment, and for some reason they were pl- it was it was on TV that day, and they were playing it in the waiting room, and I had mm-hmm. never seen it before, and I understood why. <laughs> yeah, and there there was they tried to do a cartoon version and a TV version. Uh, the TV version that they they shot for in the seventies, uh, there was one kid who they called Spanky, you know, who had the hat, mm-hmm. but everybody else was a, a new character. Yeah. And it was the same, you know, basic same premise, you know, silly sitcom type stuff, uh, but never took off. They did a cartoon version in the late 70s where Spanky was Spanky. Darla was pretty much Darla. Alfalfa was definitely Alfalfa. It was all modern day. Porky was inarticulate. I remember Porky. Porky <laughs> in the cartoon, he didn't. He was kind of like Kenny in South Park. Yeah. He did not Everyone understood him except for the viewer. But so he was cute. He was cute. <laughs> okay. And, and Buckwheat was, was a complete reimagining. So Buckwheat was... Well, Buckwheat from the 30s and 40s could not be they on could TV. Not. So no, Buckwheat not was basically... Buckwheat was the professor on Gilligan's Island. He turned from uh, you know, a, a kid with an honest speech impediment that he had when he first started you know, uh, on, on the series. And you know, in the cartoon, he was basically... Uh, 
he was he was the professor, you know. So he would be the he would be the smart one. He would be the one who can invent things. He would be, you know, and 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 he was the most conservatively dressed because everyone else looked like they did in the old thirties. Was Ser- this a syndicated cartoon? No, it was on ABC. It was I, ABC Saturday morning, long? like a season. Okay, so, you know, I'm thinking about you know, it was after Scooby Doo and and uh, you know before whatever. Uh, toy that they were trying to sell got a cartoon series. Okay, you know, I think about the classic Little Rascals, and it was such a period of the time yeah, and I that I don't see how it could be taken out of the because, time and you know, truly be kids successful. love it because there is a certain element of it, and I think, you know, kids, when we watched it, I we certainly didn't know of the Depression, mm-hmm. you know, but that's where... Uh, a lot of the ones that we started watching, I mean, 1929, the first sound one, was the time of the Depression. Yeah. So that's why they were all wearing ill-fitting clothes with patches. Which is another reason why the movie didn't work. Yeah, and then as the, the, the whole series came on, and that's you know the other date that I have, April 29, 1944, they're towards the end of World War II. Yeah. So things shifted when uh, Hal Roach sold the rights of our gang to MGM. Uh, there was a definite change in the tone of the Little Rascals. And uh, with the war on, they were certainly much more patriotic. Mm-hmm. Not that they weren't during the Depression, but during the war. They wanted to show things like they were doing scrap drives. And, and, and again, they mm-hmm. were wearing yes. patches mm-hmm. because that was much more patriotic. But uh, the little shows that they would do in the barn. I love those. But, you know, when MGM took over, boy, those things became big productions. Became, yes. You know, it was one thing when you would see that the curtains were made out of a whole bunch of different sheets shown to, sewn together. And, you know, it was cute, but it all looked like everything was put together by kids. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, we're going to do a show for the soldiers. And then all of a sudden, you have Busby Berkeley right. production values. And as a kid, I realized that, okay, here's something done by kids. And hello, Production values, gold curtains, but I still enjoyed them. Question, Tony. Mm-hmm. I, until a few minutes ago, I only thought it's the Little Rascals being 1930s, 1940s, but it started in the 20s. How long did the series span? Uh, let's see. Um, I believe 1922 wow. to 1944. So 22 years. 22 years. Wow. So, I mean, this was, yeah. First film featuring uh, the band of mischievous youngsters was produced in 1922 by Hal Roach. And uh, Roach produced until 1938, and then they were picked up by MGM, and then that continued to 1944. Yeah, so you can imagine Spanky started at 2 and retired at 12, being being too big. Mm -hmm. Darla, 2 to 12. Uh, Alfalfa started a little later and finished a little earlier because uh, the height I imagine he was not easy to work with from all the stories. When Robert Blake says, that guy was crazy, you know he was crazy. <laughs> you know, when Robert Blake sets the bar for crazy, <laughs> and uh, yes, and he says Alfalfa was crazy, you, know, you knew that that was... And that's uh, the name of that tune. Yeah. <laughs> Donna's four-part novel, Fall Again, is available at fallagainseries.com as well as amazon.com while you can listen to the This Week in TV History podcast with Tony Figueroa wherever podcasts are found. Tony and Donna will be back later on in the program for more of This Week in TV History. In the meantime, we'll take a quick time out. Then Greg Airbar will join us for a DVD and streaming report. We come back on TV Confidential. 
Now you can make your home look great and save money. Right now, when you call Renewal by Anderson, you can buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Plus, you get 12 months with no interest, no money down, and no payments. Upgrade your home. Buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Installation and warranty are even included. And the Renewal by Anderson certified retailers take every safety precaution to protect you and your family. Hey, for 25 years. People have trusted Renewal by Anderson for their window replacement needs, and you can too. So call right now. Don't wait. Learn how to get your free window when you buy four. 800-413-9223. 800-413-9223. That's 800-413-9223. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.